Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. This past Sunday was Father's Day, and I really hope that the day had some good moments for each of you dads listening. I know it was a rough day. Last week, we started a conversation with my husband Dave and our friend Steve Martindale to specifically hear from two Perever dads. I hope you had a chance to listen because they had some encouraging things to share, not just to other dads, but also to us moms and wives. Before we continue the discussion, I just want to remind you that this was one of 18 videos recorded five years ago for our GPS Hope and Healing Virtual Summit. So when it's mentioned in the discussion that it's been five years for all of us since we lost our daughters, it has now actually been 10 years for us. Steve and his wife, Danae, lost their daughter six months after Becca died to suicide due to postpartum depression. And two years ago, they faced one of our greatest fears now as perivers. They also lost one of their sons suddenly to an unknown health issue. We're going to start by backing up to the question I had just asked the two men about how usually we as moms and women grieve differently than most dads. Let's go ahead and play the rest of my talk with Dave and Steve. A question I have for you now is we may have women who are watching this because they want to fix their husbands. They want to get their husbands on board and because our grief is so different and because our husbands want to fix us and they don't allow us to grieve, is there anything, any suggestions you could give to the moms and the wives who are watching this? What is the best thing that we can do for our husbands? You know, not just thinking of our own grief, which is really hard to do. It's really hard to get past realizing my husband's hurting, my children are hurting. But do you, either of you have any thoughts about what can we do to help our husbands in this journey? And even how can we help them help us? Well, first, I'd like to say to those women, my heart goes out to you. I guess part of it is for you to understand what your husband's going through and the the internal struggle of wanting to fix things and not being able to. And here you're in a spot where it's out of your control. There's nothing you can do to make this better for your wife. And that's difficult to watch as a husband. And we might say things or do things that upset you, but if you have that understanding of what might be going on in the back of our minds, that it's, it's through our love and concern. And yeah, while we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loves the church, that's something that we have to work through in this process with our God. And during that time frame, and I know it's so, so difficult for you to be able to get past this, just your own aching and pain to even get to a point where you can think about your husband's needs like that. And and I understand that. But I guess the biggest thing I would say is instead of anger or confrontation, the, the big thing I would say is your prayers for us. You know, just pray that 
God would bring that understanding to us to be able to minister and be there for you and support you the way you need need it. Even that may be difficult for you to do if your relationship with the Lord's shattered through this process as well. But if you can muster up the strength to do that, that's probably the, one of the big keys. And the other one would be looking for that opportunity to, to share your heart with us in a, in a time where you can sense we're ready to hear. I did, um, I officiated Naomi's uh, visitation and funeral. And so when I went through her life um, from a little girl, uh, I was the coach with the name for all our children. But when, you know, I got to the part when she's in third grade, when she gave her life to Jesus and read the letters that she would write me because I was pastoring at the time. And so she'd write these letters to me. Sometimes I was gone and things like that, that during the visitation, I had a huge part of my, I guess the walls that I had not wanting, I wanted to be strong for everyone. Okay. And I think that Danae, after the visitation, she saw that how important it is to not only talk about it, but to experience through people that have gone through it. And so what I would encourage you wives to do, if you would, is today it, there's a sneaky side to her, which I really like. Um, uh, she knows she's really uh, crafted that very well. I mean, she knows how, if there's anyone that knows how to cut through all my walls, she can do it in a very sneaky way where I don't even see it coming. And so we would be going somewhere and she would put on, let's say, Stephen Curtis Chapman, who lost his daughter. And so he's writing songs about on the other side of what he's learned from mourning and, and life without his daughter. And then I'd be two blocks down the road and I'd have to put the car over because I'm having a meltdown. But it's a good meltdown. So I would just, in, in some ways, try to get created so your husband can continually deal with this. Because, you know, you get up, go to work, man can compartmentalize things, and we can't do that. That's it. And I know you love your husband. If, if you really love your husband um, or your dad or whoever is going through it, uh, make sure that you expose them enough consistently, whether it's pictures out, whether it's getting out, you know, your books, your scrapbooks, whatever, something where it puts them in a position to deal with it and not stuff it. That's, that's really good. Thank you, both of you. And I will just add from my perspective, you both have been talking about what the scripture says about, you know, men loving your wives and, and those kinds of things. But our calling or what God tells us to do is to respect our husbands. And so for us to find a way to continually show our husbands that we respect them as our husband, we respect them as the father of our children, and that they have not lost our respect in this process of losing our child. One thing here is not to 
put either of you on any kind of a guilt trip, but I'm just curious, is there anything that you can now, being five years into this, is there anything that either of you can kind of look back on, you know, the hindsight is 2020 kind of a thing, and say, man, I wish someone would have told me this, I wish I would have known this, I wish I would have maybe handled this a little bit differently, and like I said, not to put on guilt, but maybe to just you know, offer that to someone who is in those early, in that early place where you could offer them something that you didn't know that you would have done differently. Yeah, um, I guess I um, wish I would have been around more people because isolation is um, not good. I mean, there, there's a time to be, there's a time to get along, to to wail and cry and. But to be around support is so needed. I wish Danae and I would have been more involved with other groups, like, you know, when tragedy strikes and other people have gone through it. I think maybe we would be maybe a little farther along. Maybe not. But I just know we're made for others, and we need to be around others. So my word is, I guess, don't isolate. Dave? First of all, I, I'd say uh, going back and, and just understanding just the deep, raw effect of the loss of a child, how it affects a mother, it, I think would help would have helped me immensely and just be a more supportive husband e even. I know my wife gives me all sorts of credit uh, of that, but in reality, there was plenty of, of things that uh, I didn't give her the grace that I should have. Often we get into, in the Christian faith, I, th I think there's a lot of quote-unquote friendly fire, and a lot of Christians get destroyed in the spiritual warfare fight from other Christians as opposed to the enemy, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we stop seeing that, you know, as the scripture says, we don't battle against flesh and blood but against the powers and principalities and the heirs and and uh, it's so critical to keep that in mind if our wife is upset with us about something she's not the enemy it's it's the enemy of our souls that's using this this situation to try to divide us so i i think being able to recognize that piece of it quicker and uh being able to, I, th I think another significant piece of spiritual warfare is is fighting the flesh, not not necessarily the enemy. Realizing that my own flesh is going to get in the way here, and it's not. I, I can't blame all this stuff. Probably most of it, <laughs> I can't blame on Satan. It's my own wicked, evil flesh that gets in the way that I have to deal with. And especially when you start going through this early on, you're so devastated. It's just. Uh, trying to get your thoughts gathered back into the spiritual side of this stuff is is uh, sometimes easier said than done. Right. Talking about the spiritual side of things, I wanted to ask both of you, have you had any of your Christian theology change through this grief journey of losing your daughters, maybe about death itself, about grief itself, maybe about um, who God is, or maybe what you already knew about God has been even more solidified. But I know 
this tends to cause us to reevaluate everything, including our faith and what we thought we knew about God and those kinds of things. So I'm wondering if either one of you have, you know, those kinds of things that has made a shift in your life, if you could share that with us. I guess I can start with, I'm not a theologian, relatively spiritually simple man, (laughs) but I guess the, the biggest change I would say is able to see, even through a difficult time, just the love of the Father that he has for us. I don't think I, I understood that nearly as much before this process that I do now and how he was there for, for us and uh, allowing us to uh, sometimes throw little temper tantrums too because obviously we didn't get our way. My daughter's gone, but he just loved on us anyway and just kept loving on us. I think the other thing is God has always taught me a lot from Rebecca because of our relationship. I adopted her. She was Laura's biological daughter, and I adopted her six months after we were married when she was two. Mm. And uh, my love for her is every bit as strong as, as it is for any of my fleshly born children. But she was the child that made me daddy. No other child did. I was already dad. She's the one that made me daddy. And uh, so that always kind of put her in a little special spot, I guess. You could say any firstborn or whatever would naturally do that for any of us. So I think uh, that's why Father's Day, the first Father's Day was probably the hardest time for me. I ended up just going out and spending an hour at a gravesite. It was a beautiful sunny day. I took my saxophones with me and just out there, just played worship songs that she wrote that her and I would do together and play together. It was a very healing time. Mm. But just through that process was how understanding the spirit of adoption that all of us are under, that God adopted us. I didn't mean to wear this today, but I'm actually wearing the shirt. I'll step up here a little bit. talks about grafted in. (laughs) That uh, God's promises to the Jewish people we're the ones grafted into those promises through a spirit of adoption. And, and when my daughter died, the devastation and the, the, just the emotion, the love, I, I started to realize the amount of love I had for my daughter, even though she was adopted, it, it became even more clear to me there, which helped me understand even more how much our Father God truly loves us and cares for us and wants to wipe every tear away and wants to be there for us. And it hurts him to see us go through these things. He, he hurts right there with us. That's mm. it. That's his heart. And he just, he hates to see us go through these things, but he promises that he will use these things for our good. He doesn't cause them so that he can do something in our life. He will take them and use them for something good. He won't let it be wasted on us, which uh, is an amazing promise. I guess I could say, Laura, my theology wasn't, hasn't really changed, okay, because it had been changed, you know, and believe me, it's changed in 38 years, many, 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 many times when I thought I was so dogmatically right. <laughs> again, so I've, I, it's no great surprise when I discover that I'm wrong. And, <laughs> and, uh, 
But one thing I learned probably about 20 years ago is that there are three wills in operation. There's God's will and man's will from John 1. And Timothy uh, talks about the devil has a will also. And so I'm not trying to say that he or man is, you know, we're not king for a day. He is always the king and he is sovereign God. And yet we're in a very, very tricky kind of world where there's people, there's angels, demons, God, there's so much, so many things going on. There's our free will, our choices, whatever. So with that, I boiled it down to without, because if you go down the roads of trying to figure this out, okay, mm -hmm. was that Naomi's will, well, yes, because she committed suicide. Okay, well, she was mentally ill. The demonic presence was very strong. When you have mental illness, you're very vulnerable to a demonic attack because you do not have, and she had the spirit of God in her. I mean, she was, she loved to worship and, and be filled with the Holy Spirit just as much as anyone I know. So this is not someone that's, uh, you know, just has never experienced God. I mean, she, she had, she was just in a very vulnerable place. And so, but I think it's normal because even after a week, now when Naomi died, I was at a place of faith where I knew when I had got the call from Bo that Naomi had died. And we went there, and it took four hours before the coroner would let us see her. They, they had to investigate. They had, uh, it was a crime scene and all that kind of stuff. That was the longest four hours I've ever spent in my life. It was eternity. I wanted to see my baby girl. And um, I knew I just I was at a place of faith, and I've been around miracles. I've seen people healed. I've been part of that, um, that I was going to kiss her on the cheek, I'm going to say, wake up, daughter. We're going to get beyond this, and we're going to make the devil pay. And so if she's in a body bag, I kiss her on the cheek, and you don't wake up. I was shocked. I, I really was, because my faith was strong. Our youngest son was down in South America. It took four days for him to get up here, because he was out climbing, and um, took a while to get a hold of him. So in that four days, the funeral director let us stay, me, my son, part of people that raised people from the dead, for four days we tried to raise her in the funeral home. It was the longest four days of my life. So we tried. It didn't, didn't happen. Okay, she did not come back. Okay. Um, so even out of that, I was good because I knew where she was. But I still remember the time when I screamed with all I had, where were you, Father, when this went down? Where were you? Even theologically, I knew where he was. There's just something that has to get out. I encourage you to get it out because he's going to answer that question. When I screamed out, where were you? When my daughter needed you the most, that with tears coming down his eyes, said, where do you think I was? And I said, you were with her the whole time. Thank you, Papa. So I'm good with that. But you got to let it out because we, we forget sometimes that God purposely limits himself 
in situations with this free choice planet we're on. So uh, it's hard. You don't try to figure it out because you'll drive yourself crazy. Uh, we just get wiser and smarter and try to help others. Steve, it's interesting you said that because when Becca died, I felt the exact same way. I felt like I could walk in there and speak and have her resurrected. I just felt like my faith was so strong. And because she was so ill before that and because of all the physical complications she had and she'd had the stroke and had lost the left side use of her body and she needed help with everything from mm. showering to, you know, it was like, I, the reason it was like, the reason I didn't attempt it was because it was like, God, if I call her back, is she going to come back in the same condition she left in? Because I can't do that to her. Right. And it was interesting because our other daughter came to me and said, mom, I feel like I could just speak to her. And it's like, she's still right here and I could speak to her and raise her from the dead. She said, mm. is that weird or wrong? And I, it's like, no, I felt the same way. And then our middle son came to me and said, mom, <laughs> mm. I feel like I could just walk in that room and just speak life into her and bring her back. Would wow. that be wrong to do that? And, and you know, my, like I said, my thought was, I just, I, I can't bring her back in the condition she left in. And mm -hmm. I don't know, God, I, if I called her back, would that be with the complete and total healed body along with that? And I just, mm -hmm. I wasn't, I guess I, I didn't want to take the risk of that. It may sound weird, but mm -hmm. so I, I hear you totally on, on that thing there of, of just speaking life and, and raising from the dead. I want to give a chance for both of you to give any final thoughts. Is there anything that's kind of been on your heart, on your mind that you just wanted to be able to share that any of my questions haven't been able to do that yet, Dave or Steve, either one of you have any kind of last words, final thoughts here? What I've come to understand in this whole process is as much as I love, loved and still love my daughter that is not with us here. Maybe she is, I can't see her, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? But. One of those theology things, right? <laughs> yeah, one of those theology Maybe God's letting her come around. Who knows? But I've come to appreciate the Father's love in a stronger way where he loves her so much more than I do. And I love her a lot. And so just allowing that love to heal you. Hmm. That's that's the bottom line is because they're good. They're okay. They're the loved ones. They're gone, but we're not. And so I know what they would want. They want us to be healed. They want us to be well. And so I just say it's it, you can't heal yourself. Let, let Father heal you. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's a good final word. Steve, would you, I would love it if you could close us out with prayer and maybe specifically pray over the dads who are watching this and maybe pray over the marriages that are struggling right now. Father, um, I'm just so thankful that you are real. You are not um, just a religious game that we're involved in, that you are a real person, a real father that loves us beyond our understanding, and that 
things that happen to us that are wrong, just as we know is when our children get hurt, uh, how we respond to that and how it affects us, that how so much more it affects you and you are desiring that there would be a day when you make all things right. And I pray for that hope to be with the fathers, the moms, for everyone there that are listening, that what was said here would go deep in, into their hearts and that hope would be birthed and that wherever they're at in the stage, whether it's a week into this, whether it's a year, five years, that your love would increase within them, that the fathers would be free from feeling responsible and taking responsibility that they could have done more. And, and yes, we could have. Who couldn't have? But that they would be free from the tormentors that are trying to keep them in that mindset, which it cannot, can never heal. It's only your love that can heal. And so I pray for the spouses and that through this time that husbands and wives will come together and not divide, that they will learn to love each other through this and lean on you for their strength. So God, we love you and cannot wait to see our loved ones again on the other side. And um, what a glorious day. May we be a light to those that are in darkness. Amen. I hope and pray that you are able to feel God's love and his comforting presence in Steve's prayer for you. I mentioned at the beginning that this was just one discussion of 18 from the GPS Hope and Healing Virtual Summit. You can purchase all of them, which is a $248 value for only $49. To find out who the other speakers are and the other topics, just go to gpshope.org slash virtual summit. You can also find it in the store on the GPS Hope website, and I will put a link to it in the show notes. Let's go ahead and go on to our weekly birthday segment. Alyssa Tyner was born on June 19th and is forever two and a half years old. Carrie Lee Benning Burrell was born on June 19th and is forever 25. Blake Manning was born on June 25th and is forever 38. We celebrate with these families the day these three came into the world. We know that our children's birthday will always be a special day for us, won't it? If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday on our weekly birthday segment, all you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. There's just a little form for you to fill out with the information we need. Submit it. And I would be honored to share your child's birthday with the other listeners. One of the things Steve said was worth repeating. 
Allow God's love to heal you. If you continue to try and figure out how you could have done something differently to stop the death of your child, you will drive yourself crazy. And there may be some of you that that's exactly what you're doing to yourself right now. You cannot change the outcome of what happened. You can't heal yourself from the pain of your child no longer being here on earth with you. But you can learn to rest in the Father's deep love for you and His deep love for your child. Let the Father do the work as only He can. And as you do, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.